Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Well, I'm already in Chris Sims' doghouse, so I better tread lightly here. And I was going to set up this show by saying I have a stomach bug, and no, it didn't come from eating a hamburger off the floor of LaGuardia. So now I'm probably even more even more in his doghouse. You focus on one guy that you think can make you better, that can get you perhaps over the hunt. Hunt. Just, God, I sound like Sims now. Hump. Uh, <laughs> That's just a flavor of the snark that we get from time to time from Shireen. You don't expect it when you least expect it. Expect it. Expect Shireen Williams and me, Mike Florio, over the course of the next two hours, Friday edition of PFT Live. And Shireen, you did it again. You did it again. Now, I set you up for it because I specifically referred to your line as it relates to comeback player of the year, coming back from sucking a phrase that, as far as I know, you first coined when Ryan Tannehill, Texas A&M great, won the award in 2019. Coming back from sucking doesn't count, according to you, and you pointed that out yesterday on Twitter. So you, you never know. You never know. I don't know whether I've been a good influence or a bad influence. That is <laughs> a, a matter for debate. But good morning. Welcome back. Great to see you this morning. How's everything in Texas? Uh, it's good, Mike, but I've decided that I need to become a coffee drinker. I think that's why I'm not a morning person. Are you a coffee drinker? Yes, I, and I didn't become one until, I'd say, 15 years ago. Yeah, I think you need it. You think I need it? No, I think if you get up in the morning, you need it. Like, I'm Generally, not a morning person, yes. but I think I could be with coffee. What I've started doing over the course of the last few weeks, because I, I, I'd gotten into a pattern where... I would push getting up as late as possible, and then I decided, you know what, I'm going to get up earlier than that, make a cup of coffee. I, I prefer to have a full pot. There's just something about a full pot of coffee that appeals to me. I don't like that one cup at a time thing, but I started doing the one cup thing 
if I get up in time. Today, I didn't. When I have my yeah. coffee, I definitely feel a little kick in the ass. Today, I've got to manufacture it. I didn't get my caffeine, but at least you did. So one of us is caffeinated. I'll muddle through over the next two hours. But yeah, and I, I don't drink coffee like after those first couple cups in the morning. I don't drink it all day long. I'll have a cup of decaf if we have, you know, a dessert that is conducive to it. But I, I, I don't I don't want to I don't want to be drinking coffee like, you know, at five, six o'clock at night. Not that the caffeine bothers me. I just don't have a taste for it after, say, maybe 10, 11 o'clock in the morning. Anyway, enough of our coffee habits. Let's get to the show and what you need to know. Some folks in Atlanta may need caffeine or some other type of drug if they find out over the course of the next two weeks that Julio Jones has been traded by the team. And here's how it goes. Because I saw this play out yesterday with he who shall not be named until segment two. Just because it's been out there doesn't mean people really know about it because a lot of people aren't paying attention to it. And then when that thing happens that those of us who follow the sport closely expected, there's a lot of people who are like, what the hell is this? Which was the reaction yesterday morning when he who shall be discussed in segment two joined an NFL team after nine years since he last played in a regular season game. And I think that same dynamic applies with Julio Jones, Shereen. The Falcons, I firmly believe, got the word out the Monday of draft week. It's not a coincidence. Three different people had the same nugget, the same morning, the same week where the draft is coming and anyone looking for a receiver in the draft, hey, if you don't get the guy you want, we got somebody you could trade for effective June 2. This noise of Julio Jones is still out there. June 2 is the target date. You can get a deal done before then. It just can't be done processed paperwork-wise until then. Shereen, I, I think that the Falcons clearly want to do it. The only thing keeping it from happening is finding a trade partner who would take on a $15 million fully guaranteed base salary for this year and give the Falcons something in return that would make them happy. Oh, no question, Mike. And they could have squashed this a long time ago. You go back even farther than the week of the draft, and Terry Fontenot basically said, yes, we have salary cap problems, and sometimes you have to make moves that you don't necessarily want to make to, to make your cap work, and, and they're in salary cap hell. We know that. They don't have enough money right now to even sign their draft class. They're under a million dollars under the salary cap. So they've still got to make more moves unless they can trade Julio Jones. So it makes perfect sense. And look, Calvin Ridley proved last season that he could be a number one receiver. He was that last year with Julio missing much of the year with those hamstring problems. So it makes perfect sense for the Falcons to want to move on from Julio Jones, mainly for the salary cap purposes. But you're right, Mike. It's harder to find somebody to take on his contract. And that's going to be the difficult part of this. And the Falcons, frankly, aren't going to get probably what Julio Jones is worth simply because of the contract. They got a second-round pick from Mohamed Sanu somehow at the trade deadline in 2019. That second-round compensation has been floated on multiple occasions over the course of the last month. Peter King floated that as a potential price for getting the Julio Jones contract. And what dusted this off? Jeff Schultz, who's covered the Falcons for years, first with the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, he's now with The Athletic. His story yesterday, Falcons may trade Julio Jones, so let's clear up the misconceptions. Why? This isn't something I believe that he's just pulling out of thin air. He's got connections with the team. He's interviewed Arthur Blank in the past, I believe. They're trying to to 
dust this off again, to kick this up as we get closer to June 2, to make sure that they've done everything in their power to find a trade partner. They want to move on from the Julio Jones $15 million base salary, which is guaranteed for skill injury and cap, and they want to get some sort of return. And here's the problem. And this, I think, is the biggest impediment to getting this deal done. The Falcons are going to be expected to pay some of that money. We've seen it time and again. It's become a way of life, especially when you're talking about guys with guaranteed salary. Teddy Bridgewater, most recently, $10 million would have been guaranteed to him by the Panthers. Panthers unloaded him onto the Broncos. They're still paying seven. Hey, they saved $3 million. They didn't get much by way of compensation via trade, but they got Teddy Bridgewater off the books, and they didn't have to cut him and see him walk away to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and become a backup down there. As it relates to Jones, that $15 million, he's getting paid one way or the other. And if the Falcons would cut him, and they won't, because why pay him to not be on your team? Although, if you really want to get some savings, I guess all you could do is cut him and wait for him to sign with someone else, and they'd pay him 7 or $8 million. I don't know. I don't know what he would get on the open market if no one trades for him, and the Falcons pick up the rest via the offset principle, Shireen. But that's why this is a delicate thing for the Falcons. Anyone who wants Julio Jones is going to say, how much of his salary are you paying? And it's a sliding scale. It's, you know, the more that the Falcons pay, the more they, it's not really a sliding scale. I don't know what it is, but the more they pay, maybe it is, to Julio Jones, the more they can get in trade. The less they're willing to pay, the less they're going to get in trade. And there's a sweet spot there. What round pick, how many millions, and that's where they find a consensus and and, and I think that's that's the biggest issue if they find one or more suitors. And if you get three or four teams that are just clamoring for Julio Jones, maybe you get your second-round pick and you don't have to pay him anything. But for all the talk of Julio Jones being available, Shereen, have we heard of a single team that has made trading for Julio Jones a priority? No, and, and there's a couple reasons for that, Mike. I think first it is the 15. I mean, we know the salary cap came down, right? And there's just not a lot of teams that can take that kind of hit on their cap right now. So that that's the first reason. Second reason is uh, some of them don't want to give up the compensation. And the third reason is, and we've talked about this a lot, Mike, especially on PFTPM, is that there are receivers out there everywhere now. Colleges, I mean, you go back even to the high schools now, playing on seven-on-seven seven all the time. They just come into the NFL more ready. I remember a few years ago, many years ago, I guess now, when Randy Moss lit the league on fire as a rookie, and we're like, oh, my gosh, a rookie's never done this, had this kind of impact on the league. It takes rookie receivers a year. It doesn't take rookie receivers a year anymore. Rookie receivers come in ready to play. We saw it last year with Justin Jefferson. I mean, these guys are ready to play right away. So teams feel like they can go draft a receiver who's just as good as some of the receivers that they have now. And they've shown that. CeeDee Lamb was great for the Cowboys last year. So all those things, I think, have played a part in this and that maybe receivers market starts to come down like running backs has simply because there's so many of them out there who are so good at this point. You can go get them for a lot cheaper than $15 million. It wasn't all that long ago that Randy Moss lit the league on fire. <laughs> Only 23 years ago. Only a yeah. short 23 years. Only. And, and, and last year, Justin Jefferson broke Moss's team rookie yeah. receiving yardage record. And Chase Claypool 
second-round pick of the Steelers at one point became the first rookie receiver since Moss to have 10 total touchdowns in his first 10 games. So there are guys out there making a Moss-like impact. And yeah, the presumption has changed. And there's so many receivers who, over the course of the past few drafts, have come out and they're ready to go. Why are you going to pay $15.83 million to a guy who missed seven games last year and is one of the candidates for comeback player of the year, not because he'd be coming back from sucking. He's coming back from not playing (laughs) as many games as he ordinarily would because of injury. So that's a concern as well. This guy's moving into year number 11. That is, as receivers go, a little long in the tooth. Quarterbacks, you're just hitting your prime. Receivers, you're about to hit the road. And I think that's what the Falcons would like to do. And Again, that June 2 date is so critical. They can't take the full acceleration of his remaining signing bonus money this year. They just can't do it. They've got to split it over this year and next year in order to make this happen. But the net result is they save millions and create millions in cap space if they can trade him. And if they can't, they're just going to have to go forward. And what a problem to have. As Sims pointed out earlier this week, four first-round picks as weapons – for Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Hayden Hurst, Kyle Pitts. What a shame for the Falcons. But, you know, I, I, I thought the moment they drafted Kyle Pitts, that that made it clear that they want to move on from Julio Jones. We already saw it coming, but this isn't about loading up your passing attack with all these weapons. This is about replacing the capacity of Julio Jones with the fourth overall pick in the draft. So I I... I'm convinced they want to do it. I'm far from convinced they're going to find a partner. Do you have any thoughts as to who stands out as the potential next destination, Shireen, for Julio Jones? Well, Mike, I think you're looking at a team who can see Julio Jones as maybe putting them over the top, right? I mean, I don't know that you're going to take that on if you're – say Jacksonville or Houston, I just don't see a team like that committing to Julio Jones when you're sort of in a rebuild mode. So it's got to be one of those teams, you know, Patriots, 49ers, Ravens, Coles, Chargers, one of those type of teams that, that really he can put you over the top. What about a team like the Kansas City Chiefs? I, I know they're up against the cap too, but if you – If you're the Chiefs and you've seen what Tampa Bay has done loading up with all these weapons, if you get you yet another weapon like a Julio Jones, that might put you over the top. That might be enough to put you over the top to beat the Buccaneers, to win the AFC again. That that they just need like one more thing. Now, I don't know that the Chiefs are going to do it, and they probably wouldn't be my favorite. I would probably look more like at a team like the Colts. I think he could really help the Colts when you look at their receiving core, what they have. I think he would be an upgrade for them and upgrade the other guys behind them because they would see a lot more one-on-ones. That would probably be my favorite team to see him go to is the Colts because I think he can make a big difference there. But a team like the Chiefs, I just think he he would be good enough to put him over the top. I know he only played nine games last year, Mike, but he still averaged 15.1 yards a catch. He can still get it done. I think he's still a number one receiver for you if he can stay on the field, if those hamstrings are good. And with Tyree Kill clearly the number one guy in Kansas City, all of a sudden Julio Jones becomes the number two guy, gets more favorable matchups, especially with Travis Kelsey. And remember – The Chiefs tried. They got in the game late. They tried to get Juju Smith-Schuster, who decided to stay with the Steelers, and 
Smith-Schuster was on PFTPM a few weeks back, and I think he said this elsewhere. Andy Reid, the coach of the Chiefs, was texting photos of the Lombardi Trophy as they were recruiting Juju Smith-Schuster, and Julio Jones thought he had a Lombardi Trophy a few years back, but ultimately Tom Brady and company got in the way of that. And and, and, And by the way, our draft today is inspired by the catch that Julio Jones made at the sideline that caused me to say, it's over. It's done. See you later. Falcons are winning the Super Bowl. Patriots are cooked. And of course, uh, it didn't turn out that way. So great plays by teams who ultimately didn't win their games. Those uh, are the options for today's draft. My options, my two big options for Julio Jones, though, Shireen. One, speaking of Tom Brady, I think it would be poetic if the Patriots would end up getting Julio Jones because it was back in 2011 that Thomas Dimitrov, then entering his fourth season as general manager of the Atlanta Falcons, was contemplating a major trade up in the draft with the Browns to get in position to get Julio Jones. He sought out advice from Bill Belichick, Patriots coach, former boss of Dimitrov. Belichick said, don't do it. So I just think that it would be beautiful if Belichick trades for Julio Jones 10 years later. And also, hey, the guy who had dominated segment one of this program for the past three weeks, we've tried to not mention him very much unless there's news. Hell of a peace offering in Green Bay. Yeah. If you bring in Julio Jones and pair him up with Devontae Adams, and at the same time you go to Aaron Rodgers and say, this is the move we want to make. We need to create some cap space. Here's the contract that we would give you that, oh, by the way, would create the kind of cap space, give you the kind of increase in salary that forces us to keep you for two or three years, which we know you'll want, and then we're going to turn around and take that cap savings from your new contract and trade for Julio Jones. Problem solved. Not an easy solution, but Shireen, if if the Packers want to bury the hatchet, yeah, this would be a hell of a way to bury it. Oh, no question, Mike. And it makes them better, right? I would like their chances far better against the Buccaneers if they had Julio Jones to pair with Devontae Adams. They'd be tough to stop, I think, and those other receivers they have there. I think it would be a great move for the Packers. And I do think it could be a peace offering, perhaps, if if Aaron Rodgers is willing to come back. That's what we don't know is exactly where he is. Is he so dug in that he's decided he's not going back to Green Bay no matter what? Or if they get him Julio Jones and redo his contract, would he go back? That's what we don't know. But if I'm the Packers, I certainly would try to take that step to make this work if that's something that would bring him back. Because the Packers, as we know, are far better with Aaron Rodgers than they're going to be without Aaron Rodgers. There's no question about that. I mean, you don't lose an MVP and all of a sudden you're the favorite now to go back and, and be in the NFC Championship game yet again and try to take that next step. I don't think that's going to happen in Jordan Love's first season as a full-time starter. The way for them to win is to make Aaron Rodgers happy, and if this makes Aaron Rodgers happy, I'm, I absolutely make this move if I'm the Packers. And speaking of Jordan Love, what better way to completely and totally solve the problem than to offer Jordan Love to the Atlanta Falcons as part of the trade package. <laughs> hey, they, hey, they've been talking about getting a young quarterback. Here you go. Here's your young quarterback. Here's a guy who can can sit behind Matt Ryan, and then the Falcons can 
deal with that. When is Jordan Love actually going to play? I'm I'm kidding about that part because I'm convinced the Maybe. Falcons want draft pick compensation. Yeah, I'm I'm kidding unless they actually do it. Then I'm dead serious. But <laughs> but I, I I think I think if the Packers really want to fix this with Aaron Rodgers, if they really want to do it, that would to me be a significant attempt and gesture. Yeah. And and again, people aren't paying all that much attention. The average fan, the casual fan, the drive-by fan that doesn't watch this show for many reasons, including that, the the they are going to be stunned if and when Julio Jones is traded. You trade him to the Packers, and at the same time, they announce a new contract for Aaron Rodgers. People are going to lose their minds. So... And, and and it'll be good for business. I can't I can't complain about that if it would happen. But again, Shereen, June two is the target for processing it. At any point between now and June two, we could hear they have a deal that will be put through the league office on June two, and uh, we just wait and see. But but again, weeks now, haven't heard anything. No no reports, unnamed sources, unnamed anything. No no, just spitballing like we've done. That's it. So I don't know who's out there. And if it's ultimately only one team, the Falcons are going to have to take what they can get and pay what they have to pay to get Jones off the roster. And it's so weird, Mike, because in the past, I mean, we'd be talking about a couple of first-round draft picks, right? You look at all the trades the Cowboys made for receivers. You look at Amari Cooper. Julio Jones is more accomplished than Amari Cooper is. And I, I realize Amari Cooper was younger when he was traded than Julio Jones is now, and he wasn't coming off hamstring issues. But at the same time, I mean, that's the compensation that we were kind of looking at for these number one receivers was – at least a, one, a one first-round draft pick, but sometimes two first-round draft picks. That's what Joey Galloway uh, Galloway went for is two first-round draft picks. And uh, Roy Williams. So back in the day, these receivers went for way more than what we're seeing now. And if you get Julio Jones, if you can make that work and you get him for a second-round pick, I mean, what a steal that is, right? Th this guy can still play. He can still be a number one receiver. He's going to be even better as a number two receiver if he goes to a team like the Packers with Devontae Adams, he could be fantastic as that number two receiver. Randy Moss was traded three times in his career. The first time he was traded for a first-round pick, Napoleon Harris, who had been a failed first-round pick, right. and I believe a seventh-round pick. That was it for one of the most dominant players in league history. That's all they got. And then all the Raiders got when they unloaded him after two seasons on the Patriots, or so they thought they were unloading him, was a fourth-round pick. And then when he was fed up with New England and they were fed up with him, the, Ra the Patriots got a third-round pick from the Vikings, and they fired him after three weeks. So it, it, it's amazing to think Moss didn't go for a hell of a lot more the first time around or any of the other times. But uh, nowadays, and, and this gets back to – this gets back to, I think, yeah. the availability of young receivers and also the timing. It's one thing for a team during a given season that believes it's that one player away to make that move. The same year that the Patriots gave up a second-round pick for Mohamed Sanu, and it didn't work. The 49ers gave up a third-round pick for Emmanuel Sanders, and it did work. He was open with the 
championship on the line. The quarterback just didn't get him the ball. But he was a huge contributor to the 49ers. And he left as a free agent after one year, but it was still worth it. He he made a huge difference for that team. So, you know, and 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 that's the other side of this. Even if they don't trade him on June 2, the door's still going to be open. And Julio Jones is a guy that maybe they get more Shireen for him right before the trade deadline from a team that knows we really would benefit from having this guy for the stretch run. Yeah, sometimes we've seen that happen, Mike, where, where players get traded at the trade di- deadline and they do get more for them. Or if a team in training camp has an injury, right, at the receiver position and says, oh my gosh, we're a contender, but now our number one receiver is out for the year with a torn ACL. So we've got to go get this guy. He's available. Let's do it. Let's make it work. So, yeah, I, I could see this happening even later than June 2nd if they don't get what they want. The best case scenario for the Falcons, if you've said, is at least have two teams bidding for him. That's what you need. You need more than one team bidding for him. But at this point, Mike, I think they want to trade him so bad. If it's even one team, I think he's going to go. I think they're going to move on from him, even if it's one team and they don't get very much compensation for him. I think they're going to move on from Julio Jones just for those salary cap implications. I've said before that the best leverage a team has when it comes to a possible trade is screw it, we'll just keep him. The Falcons don't have that leverage available because no one believes that they want to keep him. It may be they have no choice but to hang on to him to try to get more for him later, but they're ready to move forward. Let's move forward with Julian Edelman, who has moved forward from football, retiring earlier this year, kind of out of the blue, but but it was known apparently that this guy was done. Here he is with Michael Irvin talking about his decision to walk away from the game. My knee's breaking down. I'm not going to sit here and I got everything I want. You know, I got three rings, played in a you know, magical dynasty uh, with an unbelievable franchise coach, best quarterback of all time. Like, yo, I'm not a greedy guy. I played to win. I played to compete. I don't need anything else to prove, you know? So, like, I'm good with what I did. I left it all on the field. And, you know, that that's why I had to shut her down. I'm, I'm not going to sit out there and look like some old dude in those an old bike knee brace and your ankle braces. And, you know, the old guy, I don't want to look like that, man. Can't do that. I didn't know better. I'd say he's throwing shade at Tom Brady. Tom Brady's the old guy who's out there with all the contraptions on his body. Tom Brady's the greedy guy that had to have more and got out of New England. I don't want to read too much into it, but I also don't want to ignore what's sitting right in front of our face. You look at what he said. Tom Brady is the picture that emerges from it. Well, you know what I'm disappointed with is they haven't put up the conspiracy mic yet, right? So we always That's have not much of a conspiracy. Mic. No, stop. They do hey, they don't need any help. <laughs> Please don't encourage. Well, that's a them. good point. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, Mike, you're right. Uh, he he doesn't want to be that guy, I guess, who wins more championships and has all the contraption on him yeah. because that's certainly what Tom Brady has done, and he had off-season knee surgery, as we know. So that guy just keeps going and going and going. And he's certainly not a one-team guy. Uh, Edelman said his knee's breaking down, and and that's that's the thing. It it gets to a point where it's bone on bone. The knee just doesn't work right, and and you just have to move on. But but, and I haven't listened to the whole podcast or 
really anything more than the clip we just played. But you got Rob Gronkowski, who has on multiple occasions now said he, he'll, he'll be back. Yeah. He'll be back. You know, and part of it is Gronk's been on that journey before. Gronk knows what it's like to say, I've had enough. I'm done. It's over. I'm moving on with my life. And then here comes a football season. And, oh, man, my life doesn't feel the – it's not – something's not right here. Something, something's missing. Something, I've been doing this since I was a little boy. I can't let this go on without me. Now, he ended up sitting out an entire season, and if Tom Brady never goes to Tampa Bay, maybe Gronkowski never comes back. But you've, you've already got your buddies in Tampa. They've already got a Super Bowl-ready team. If, if he can get that need to where it allows him – with whatever contraptions he would choose to put on it to go out there and play even at a fraction of what he played at with New England. And he's got and, and this is the other key too. How hard is Brady gonna work on him and work on him and work on him and work on him if he really thinks he's gonna make a difference. And maybe Brady just realizes, yeah, that forget it. I you know, I've, I've got, I'm fine with the guys I have now. But that's the one thing we don't know is whether or not Brady is aggressively going to work on it behind the scenes. Brady made some jokes a few weeks ago during the NFL's draft-a-thon toward Edelman, saying that, you know, he, he he's just afraid to say that he's going to Tampa because he doesn't want to make Bill mad. Yeah. But uh, the, the, I, I'm still not ready to slam the door on it. He can say whatever he wants because even he doesn't know how he's going to feel when August, September, and October roll around. Yeah, I think what we know, Mike, is he's not capable of playing a 17-game season. I I think that much is clear, okay? So, you know, he didn't play that many games last year. The knees are breaking down. We get that. So he's not going to play a 17-game season. But I'm not going to be at all surprised if the Buccaneers have an injury late in the year and they pick up the phone and call Julian Edelman and say, hey, bud, come back. We We really need you here. Uh, just a few games, that's all you're playing, and then we need you for the postseason where you've really shined anyway. In the 19 games you've been, you've played in the postseason, you've been one of the greatest postseason players in NFL history. So come back and, and do it for us and have a chance to win another one, and I can definitely see him doing that. We saw that with Marshawn Lynch. Now, I know Marshawn played for more than one team, so it wasn't like he was just going, you know, going back to the one team he went to, which holy. Uh, uh, Julian would be moving on to a new team that he's never played with, but Marshawn did it right. He played week 17 and then he came back and he played in the postseason for the Seahawks uh, when they needed him. So I could see Julian Edelman doing something similar with the Buccaneers. If they have an injury late in the year, they need a, a very productive receiver. Okay. This is the guy we're going to call. He knows Tom Brady, Tom, pick up the phone and call him, and he'll be back. So I'm not ready to shut that door either, Mike. I can see Julian Edelman coming back for a handful of games at the end of the year to try to win another championship. Uh, first of all, as Pete pointed out, it sounds like we need a Shireen, a conspiracy Shireen graphic. I knew I was going to screw that up because that's that's exactly <laughs> what you were trying to bait me into saying earlier, but it's not a big conspiracy theory. It's obvious. And here's the other thing, too. And I know this is going to make some Patriots fans upset. I've said it before, and it's made them upset. And I would, I would never say this about somebody who didn't serve a four-game PED suspension and his excuse for it was, I don't know what happened. Well, we do, and everyone else does. You took performance-enhancing substances to allow yourself to be able to recover from an injury or get some edge so you can get back on the field. 
I say that because I've already done the research. I've already asked the questions. He's completely beyond the NFL's jurisdiction now. He can take whatever he wants to take to get that knee to respond in whatever way, whatever experimental procedures, whatever medication, whatever may be on the NFL's list of substances. You can you go crazy now to get that knee to respond. Do whatever you have to do to get that knee back because you're off the grid as far as the NFL's PED testing is concerned. And then you get it healed up and you can come back. And and that's really not that controversial of a position. It is going to upset some folks in New England who, despite the fact that he was popped for PEDs, refused to acknowledge that anyone would do anything like that to get their bodies right to play NFL football. Um, one more clip from Julian Edelman as it relates to the Patriots left behind. The quarterback question. Now that the Patriots have drafted Mac Jones in round one, and they have Cam Newton. How is it going to work? Everyone wants to know that. Here's Edelman's thoughts on the quarterback scenario in his appearance on the Michael Irvin podcast. Last year was an absolute like joke, which it was. I mean, you know, th- these these the COVID stuff. I mean, you can you couldn't have a routine. There was like so many regulations and spacing and trackers. I mean, I don't think it was fair to see, um, you know, with, with how Cam had to go through that. You know what I mean? And it, I'm going to be very interested to see how he goes this year because he's got, now he's got a year under his belt. My guy's probably working his tail off on all his reads. You know, he's, he's probably been working hard. That's, that's his MO. Cam works hard, you know, now we gotta we gotta see if he can work smart in the right areas, and if he does that, he's gonna give himself an opportunity to do well. You know what I mean? You know, but he's also gonna have to beat out the young gun because the young gun is there, little Mac attack, whatever. Yeah. You know, this this kid. You know, you don't. That's a that, that's a a first round draft pick. That's like a real first round draft pick. Yeah, that's a first round draft pick that. People still believe Kyle Shanahan intended to take with the third overall pick after the 49ers trade up and changed his mind or had his mind changed for him directly or indirectly to go with Trey Lance instead. So this is going to be a challenge for Cam Newton. But everything I've heard is the Patriots love Cam Newton and work hard versus work smart. Maybe by year two, he has a better idea of where he needs to direct his efforts to get to be the guy that he can be in the New England offense. But but that's a revealing comment, working hard versus working smart, because, hey, you can spin your wheels all day long. Hey, you worked really hard, but what did you accomplish? What did you do to make yourself better? And I think that's going to be one of the key aspects for year two for Cam Newton, figuring out where he needs to put in that effort in order to be the right quarterback for the New England offense, because if he's not, they got Mac Jones, Shereen. Yeah, pressure's on Cam Newton, no question about it. And we forget sometimes, Mike, that we're talking about a former NFL MVP. I mean, he was MVP of the league just in 2015. And now we're talking about a guy who needs to work smarter as well as as work harder. So, you know, I, I did think it was revealing. And I would have liked to have delved more into what he meant exactly by that. But he's going to have to fact, fight off Mac Jones because – the Patriots are going to go with this guy. Mac Jones is ready to play, and they're going to go with him if, if Cam Newton struggles. We know what they think of Jarrett Stidham. I think Jarrett Stidham is probably out the door now that they've signed Brian Hoyer. 
So the next guy up is Mac Jones, and he's going to be their quarterback. He's going to be the present and the future the moment that Cam Newton stumbles. So he's going to have to play much better in his second season in New England in this offense, which they believe he can do, but he's going to have to do it, and he's going to have to get it done relatively quickly during the season. If they go on some kind of losing streak, I think you're going to see Mac Jones pretty quick. And you know what? Even though Stidham arguably would be the guy – that you would trust more if he had to play. Remember Brian Hoyer's screw up last year against the Chiefs in the Monday night game that that Cam didn't play in. But if you're talking about grooming the young player, Hoyer's the guy to help groom the young player. He's the guy to help teach Mac Jones everything he needs to know so he can take over for Cam Newton sooner rather than later. And you see the points bet odds there. Cam Newton, the favorite to take the first snap at minus 275. But the over-under on Mac Jones taking over. I think Tom Curran told us on PFTPM a few weeks ago that I think his over-under was like eight or nine games for Mac Jones to start. I think. I'm not sure. I think. Uh, but, uh, I hey, I, I think we're going to see Mac Jones at some point this year because we saw – Cam Newton get yanked a couple of times last year. Bill Belichick's not bashful about taking out his quarterback and putting in another guy if he thinks it's going to help make a difference for the team. Let's go ahead and take a break. When we return, for some reason, the local news in Jacksonville yesterday was filming the Jaguars' six-string tight end walking into practice with his gloves on way too early. We'll discuss that when PFC Live continues right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. Olympics this summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. Well, number 85, not Tyler Eifert. There he is walking into practice. Trey Burton points out, someone tell my guy he doesn't need to put his gloves on probably for another 30 to 45 minutes. And then there's the hand, the aggressive handshake pulling him in. Not quite like we've seen others do it, but Tim Tebow. Trey Burton, by the way. Available, if anyone's looking for a tight end, a real tight end. A tight end who threw a touchdown pass in the Super Bowl, something Tim Tebow's never done and never will do. Philly Special was thrown by Trey Burton to Nick Foles. So, 
Uh, but, 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 but hey, once once that spot's taken, no one else out there who may be more worthy of that spot has a chance to get it. Just saying. It's a zero-sum game, and spot number 90 on the roster goes to Tim Tebow. Shereen, you haven't been on during the height of all of this. Sims and I have been uh, chiming in on a daily basis about Mr. Tebow. Your your reaction to Tebow back in the NFL nine years after he last played in a regular season game? I'm not bothered a bit by it, Mike. I get it. Like, I went on the Jaguars flagship radio station yesterday. They're hyped about this. I mean, this is a guy who grew up in Jacksonville, who went to the University of Florida, who won a national championship there, who won the Heisman Trophy there. I mean, this city is excited. They want to see what he can do at tight end. Now, the rest of us know the truth. He has no chance to make this roster. Do I think he's going to be on the practice squad? Yeah, because his coach is Urban Meyer. And that's the reason he's on this roster to begin with. I don't think he's going to make their roster. In in fact, I would put his odds at 0% to make their roster. But I do think he'll end up on the practice squad. And I also think that it's a a no-risk challenge for, for the Jaguars to convert this guy to tight end a position he's never played. I don't think he can do it. I don't think he's Logan Thomas early in his career. And you look at how long it took Logan Thomas to become a really good tight end. And I think Logan Thomas is a really good tight end. I don't know if he has the body to become a tight end in the NFL to begin with. And it's been so long since he's played in the NFL. But I'm unbothered by this. And I get why they did it. They're probably going to sell quite a few jerseys and if he does end up making the roster just because he's Tim Tebow, which, frankly, I just gave it 0% chance to happen, but I guess it could happen if Urban Meyer just wants Tim Tebow on its team somehow. But I think he's more likely to make the practice squad and be there and, and kind of be in a leadership role in the locker room, sort of. I don't know. Can you be in a leadership role as a practice squad player? I, I, maybe not. But he knows what Urban Meyer's about. And Urban Meyer knows him quite well. I get why he's on their roster. I get why they're trying to do what they're trying to do. I think he has no chance to ever play a game in the NFL. If we make these decisions about Tim Tebow based solely on merit, he's got no chance to make the regular season roster. But if we make these decisions about Tim Tebow based solely on merit, he wouldn't be on the roster right now. So that that question of merit and worth and value and what he does or doesn't deserve, that, that's going to be ultimately determined by one person. It's going to be determined by Urban Meyer. And despite the growth, the spread, the embrace of analytics, at the end of the day, coach decides, especially in Jacksonville. Some cities, GM decides. Jacksonville, coach decides. Who's going to be there? Who's not going to be there? My theory has been, Shereen, he will be on the practice squad. He will be called up because two players each week can be called up from the practice squad. And I think after you do it the second time, you actually have to release them to get him back onto the roster. Well, it's right. not like there's anyone else Nobody's out there. Nobody's picking him up. That's going to pick him up, even after the trade deadline. When And I, he's not even a vested veteran. He'd go through waivers if he got cut after that first week. He's got three credited seasons no one's going to claim him on waivers if he's dropped down from the active roster after week one they're going to find a way to get him in uniform they're going to find a way to get him on the field 
And here, here's my issue with it. Don't try to make us think it's something other than what it is. And I know they're not going to come out and say, this is just a sideshow. This is just a gimmick. This is a minor league baseball slow Wednesday night promotion. This is a way to get attention. This is a way to sell jerseys. This is a way to build interest. That's all it is. This isn't about football. Because if you say that, you undermine the stuff you're actually trying to do. So leave it to people like us to peel back the curtain for the Jaguars and explain exactly what it is. It's a business move. It's not about football. And that's their prerogative. But my point is, you know, there's still millions of people out there who don't understand the nuances and look at it and think it is about football. And it's some great Disney movie, the seeds of which are being planted. And hell, Tebow's life's already a Disney movie. This would be the sequel. Tim comes out of retirement. It could be like Ernest. Ernest goes to camp. Ernest does this. Ernest plays for the Jaguars. Ernest plays baseball. I do you remember Ernest? Do you please tell me you remember no. Ernest? Please tell me they're not I don't gonna remember Ernest. Who was Ernest? Er, you don't remember who Ernest is? Ernest no. is a guy who would Jim Varney? Jim Varney? Nothing? Vern? No. How you doing, Nothing. Vern? He'd get in the camera. He called the camera Vern. Oh, please, Shereen, you make me sad. You're older than me. You should know who, you should know who Ernest is. <laughs> By three months. Right. Anyway, and I'm, I'm catching you soon. I'm catching you soon. Um, but, uh, but anyway, my point is we know what it is. We, we know what it is. And, yeah. and, and who knows? Maybe some of the people who are going to buy the Tebow jersey know deep down what it is. Just like people know wrestling's fake now and they're okay with it. But look at the dip. Look at the difference. Look at the difference. And, and this is just an example. When they ended the draft and they signed undrafted free agents, guys who were good enough to be in the mix, but but you know it's a seven round draft. There, there's the six guys they signed. That's all we got. Name, rank, and serial number for those six guys. Then here comes guy number ninety on the roster, and he gets this multi paragraph release that that dusts off his accomplishments as a quarterback with the Denver Broncos when he threw a touchdown pass to Demarius Thomas to beat the Steelers in a wildcard playoff game. That shows you what this is. And that's okay. I'm not saying... the, the The only thing that substantively bothers me is you are taking away someone else's chance. There is somebody else out there more deserving of the chance to be guy number 90 on the roster, like Trey Burton, for example. There are others out there more deserving, who have more merit. If this truly is a meritocracy, this shouldn't be happening. There's a point, though, where merit takes a backseat to money. And, and that, that's why we are where we are, plain and simple. Well, yeah, and you talked about it's not about football. I would argue that it's a little bit about football because Tim Tebow knows Urban Meyer as well as any player ever has and, and ever will. And What's that have to do with getting him on the Urban- field and having the ball bounce off his head, though? <laughs> well, I don't think it's getting him on the field, but I think in the locker room he can make a difference, Mike. And I don't know, maybe again, maybe they don't listen to a practice squad player, but this is a guy who won a Heisman Trophy, right? And, and it is a guy who, who's done some great things in college 
uh, and has been on TV. People know who Tim Tebow is. You know, they may not know those guys on that list of, of free agents other than Moses from Alabama. Everybody knows he was the captain on that defense at Alabama. But, you know, they don't know a lot of those guys. They know Tim Tebow. Everybody knows Tim Tebow. That's when we're talking about Tim Tebow because everybody knows Tim Tebow. So he can get across some of Urban Meyer's ideas, I think, in the locker room, perhaps, if, if guys are willing to listen to him. And maybe it's just a matter of working hard. I don't know. He did play some special teams for the Jets. Maybe he does get on the field as a special teams player. I, you know, I hadn't even thought of him calling him up and, and doing special teams for the Jaguars this season. I just thought he's never going to play a game for the Jaguars, and I still find it hard to believe that he'll be on the field this year. I do think he'll be in the locker room. I don't know that he'll be on the field for him. Can you? It, it would be a bigger deal to me, Mike, him taking the 90th spot on the offseason roster. It would be a bigger de- deal to me if he's taking one of those spots on game day and maybe not contributing like he should be contributing as one of your game day players. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, look, I, I see this going one of two ways. One way is it's, it just clearly doesn't work. And he retires from football. He's not going to get the unceremonious bring your playbook to see the coach you've been cut. (laughs) He's going to have the conversation. Urban's going to come to him and say, hey, Tim, you know, I love you. And what an inspiration you've been. It's been great to have you here. But, you know, I I think you know where this is. And I think we know where this is. And we're going to give you a chance. You know, I think the right thing for you to do is just go out with your head held high and you proved everybody wrong. Just the mere fact that you were here is a major accomplishment, that kind of thing, and then he walks away. And and the longer it goes without him walking away, the more likely he's going to find his way onto the team, even if it is practice squad, and then called up, and then dressed out on game day. And, you know, you make a good point. Unless he somehow gets his way to the top of the tight end depth chart, he is going to be a 34-year-old special teamer for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And from his perspective, maybe he'd be happy doing that. But uh, I, uh, and, and I, I really don't know what the impact of Tim Tebow in the locker room is going to be. Are they going to roll their eyes at him? What are they going to do? Or once they meet him, rem- remember the, who was the guy? Was it Tom Brenneman? Five minutes with Tim Tebow changes your life. Remember that comment? I, I mean, maybe he does truly have this magnetic personality. And to the extent that there are any cynics or hard-boiled, long-term veterans in their mid-30s, as old or older than Tim Tebow, and they kind of sneer at him. And then he's really nice to them. Are, are they going to change? Are they going to yield? So I, I, I don't know. But I do know this. I do know this, Shereen. I, I know that you want to buy a Kellen Mond jersey to supplant your Roger Staubach jersey, and I support that. You also could buy a Tim Tebow jersey to supplant both of them because it wasn't no. more than an hour or so after Tim Tebow officially joined the Jaguars, that you could go to the Jaguars online shop. And there it was. As prominent as Trevor Lawrence. As prominent as Travis Etienne. Initially, it was zero. They did change it to 85. That zero looks odd. But there he is. He's crowding out Trevor Lawrence. Are you kidding me? Shouldn't Trevor Lawrence be in the foreground of that? Are you kidding me? But Tebow, you can... You can get the jersey, and even though 85 is the number that comes out now, if you look at the fine print, the jersey will be sent after his official number is selected. In other words, 
after they trade or cut Gardner Minshew and reassign 15 to Tim Tebow, that's when you'll get your jersey. And and I, I, I my understanding is the Jaguars Are don't want any one? part of that. Uh, maybe. The Jaguars don't want any part of that. The Jaguars don't want to make this about go buy jerseys, go buy jerseys. This is fanatics exercising their prerogative. Anyone on the team, they can do this. They can hype this. They control it. Well, the Jaguars may not want it, but the Jaguars necessarily understand you pull the pin on this grenade, you're getting it. You're getting it. You can't control it. You can say, please don't do it. They're still going to do it. Because Fanatics is there to maximize the revenue that they generate on behalf of the NFL. And if you're selling Jaguars jerseys, Tim Tebow right now is going to maximize that revenue. So, uh, look, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I, I don't have any animosity toward the Jaguars or to him. I feel bad for Trey Burton or whoever else should have that spot on the roster. And I, I, I just, it, we know what they're doing. And I, I just I want to make sure that the casual observer out there understands what this is and what this isn't. This isn't a Disney movie. This is something that they want us to think could be a Disney movie. It's not. This guy has no business being on an NFL roster at this point. And the only reason he is, Shireen, is because his college coach is in position to say, come join my roster. Well, no question about that. If it wasn't for Urban Meyer, he wouldn't be there. We all know that. Let me ask you this, Mike. Do you think there's any – is there any way that he can help Trevor Lawrence? In that, I mean, he's been through a lot of the things that Trevor Lawrence is going to go through. I mean, becoming a pro and all the studying and everything you have to do to become an NFL quarterback. Now, we know he wasn't a successful NFL quarterback, but he went through all those things. Can he help Trevor Lawrence in that way, in any kind of way? Uh, I, I, you know, I, I could envision a situation where Trevor Lawrence is out throwing the ball and Tim Tebow comes out and he says, hey, let me throw the football. And he throws it and he says, see what I just did? Never do that. That would help Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> Other than that, I don't think he's going to help. I really resist. You forced me. You forced me to say that. Um, no, I. And, and hey, Tebow package. Apparently, they're already talking about it. Tebow package. Philly special. Put him on the field. Let him throw a pass. We saw the over-unders for receiving yards and receiving touchdowns. We need over-unders for passing touchdowns. You never know when Tim Tebow's going to. All right, let's take a break. Uh, Washington was trying to trade their starting right tackle. Now they aren't. We'll discuss that next here on PFT Live. A trend has developed in recent years for NFL teams. When a player is fired, they get this great graphic. Thank you, Morgan Moses. Now get the hell out of here. I I just, I, why are you so mean about, look, they're, they're telling the guy to leave. They're telling him, hey, you know, you're due to make $7.5 million this year, and we have the right to rip up your contract whenever you want, and today's the day that we're going to do it. Bye-bye. Um. It, it's a cold, hard business, and I understand that they don't want us to realize it's a cold, hard business, that football is family. That sells a lot better than football is a cold, hard business in which we say football is family so you don't realize it's a cold, hard business. Shireen, it's still a cold, hard business. 
Well, yeah. And, you know, we've talked about fans siding with the billionaires rather than the millionaire players. And that just always befuddles me because I'm always on the side of the players over the billionaire owners and they can tear up the contracts. And I get why players do what they do when they hold out and they seek more money and fans get mad. But this is why, because a team can just move on from you and say, bye-bye, as you said. And that's what Washington did with Morgan Moses yesterday. Bye-bye. You couldn't find a trade partner, so we're moving on. Go find your own team. And good luck, by the way, finding a $7 million offer from anybody. Uh, now that Stan Kroenke is angrily shaking his fist at Shireen while he eats his post-toasties, Morgan Moses, a free agent after being released yesterday, it does create cap space, nearly $8 million. And this move was set up by the acquisition of Charles Leno, the former Bears tackle. Leno plays left tackle now for Washington. Cornelius Lucas, who played left tackle right season, moves to the right side. And see you later, Morgan Moses. We create cap savings we create cash we move on they tried to trade him like we we that, that's just it's so obvious now hey so and so is going to get released and and then a day later he does if they don't find a trade partner it's all about trying to get someone to say oh before you cut him we'll we'll give you something for him so we don't have to go out and try to sign him on the open market that's why a team would do it you want to get the contract. You're not uncomfortable with the number, and you don't want to have to potentially pay him more if he would get cut. The fact that no one traded for him tells you that there isn't going to be more out there. And I think this is going to continue. It's going to continue into training camp and the preseason. As teams get more comfortable with other arrangements, these veterans with bigger price tags, just because they were on a team March, April, May, June, July, August may be when they end up hitting the road. Um Daniel Snyder has hit the road along with team president Jason Wright to tour stadiums with a plan to open a new state-of-the-art facility in 2027. TMZ caught up with Daniel Snyder, and he did say it's going to be state-of-the-art, which I would like to think if you're building a new stadium, it's not going to be retro. They're going to build something state-of-the-art. Shereen, um, look, we, we know they've wanted a new stadium for a while. This is what they're trying to get accomplished. The question is, we've got this... This unresolved investigation into an extended period of alleged workplace misconduct in Washington with a lot of fingerprints on the various types of things that went on that shouldn't have happened. Um, it, it really does seem like whatever the end result is, he, he does not have to worry about a Jerry Richardson type of an outcome. Yeah, it, he's going to remain the owner of Washington. I think that's become fairly obvious, Mike. It's it's clear. Uh, I think the NFL would already moved on this if they were planning on something like that. They haven't. And, you know, his minority owners now have, have moved on. So I think Daniel Snyder is there for the duration. The question is going to be, who gives him money to help him build a stadium? Is it D.C.? Is it... Maryland, is it Virginia, all these places, is somebody going to give him money to build this stadium now? And I think that's the big question. How much is it going to cost him to build this stadium and how much help is he going to get from somebody? Here's the point that I want to make. This is not something we've discussed yet, haven't written about it yet, but it was several weeks back that we heard that on the agenda for the late March meeting, of the NFL owners was 
a request from Daniel Snyder for permission to exceed the debt ceiling that applies to each team so that he could buy out his disgruntled minority partners. He got the permission to do it. He's able to buy them out. Keep an eye on how he has to handle that debt and whether he can pay down that debt and what he may have to do eventually to satisfy these loan obligations. Um, and do some research on what happened with Art Modell and Steve Bishotti. Uh, just, just, they, 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 just keep in mind the question of whether. I'm not saying he can't. I'm not saying he can't. I'm just saying when you extend yourself financially, there's a point where you potentially extend yourself too far. And when you throw a new stadium on top of it, 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 he's determined to keep the team. He's determined that his children will get it. Let's see if ultimately they can pull that off because the financial side of it is something to be concerned about. And uh, there, there are at least some who wonder whether or not he's, he's stepping on a rake with this loan that he's taken on to pay off his uh, to pay off his uh, his partner, Shireen. Yeah, the lease runs out, Mike, on that stadium in 2027. So that's why they're looking to see what they can do for a new stadium. And we will have more PFT in a minute. And when we come back, we're going to have an update, Mike, on the person who caught the prettiest pass in NFL history. All right, thank you. Thank you very much for that. We'll be right back. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 